Good evening, morning, afternoon, night, whenever you find it most convenient to listen to the Men in Red 97 podcast. As always, I am Alan, the pole with the goal, and that goal this week is to uh, find more students to sign up for my little drumming class. And uh, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, DJ. Ah! And Tim. I will not be trying to make whatever sound it was that DJ just made. Um, <laughs> it kind of sounded like a crow. <laughs> or like a pterodactyl that was getting tortured while also having to fart. I, I'm not entirely sure. But, well, hi um, there. How do we know what pterodactyls sounded like if they lived like millions of years ago? Um, well, one, time travel is the obvious answer. And two, we can use our imagination. There's a far more realistic option, which is just DJ just sounds like a pterodactyl at times. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like I am, part, yeah, no. I am part pterodactyl. We'll go with that. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, in terms of the, the drumming thing, that is, uh, well, it's not exactly a joke. So we'll get into that later once we jump into our recap of the New England Revolutionary Game. So, which actually, let's start right now. Um, so, this is a game in which the Fire have finally uh, ended the longest scoring drought in team history. Uh, it did, though, end in a 2 2 draw. We got goals from Gaston Jimenez uh, that was assisted by Guti, and then Guti himself got a goal assisted by Johnny Dean. Um, Jonathan Dean's first top flight point. That is true. Congratulations all around. Being 2-2, that also means the Revolution did score. In the first half, you know, the Fire ended up going down the goal early on. Uh, Afterwards, it was Guti, like mentioned, who scored. And it was back-to-back. Tomas uh, Chansali, that's a difficult name, I apologize. Tim, do you know how to pronounce this one? I've heard Chunkali, but I also heard someone pronouncing it differently in the press box. So let's just go with Chunkali because I think that mm-hmm. is the dominant pronunciation, um, which is probably influenced by he how he pronounces it. Yes. So Thomas Chunkali scored in the 17th minute. Um, it was, um, of course, the reaction around the stadium was like, oh, well, here we go again. Um, but... The Fire have been doing a lot well in terms of getting on the counterattack in that final third, resulting in Johnny Dean coming up that wing and finding Brian Gutierrez. Finally, the, that, you know, the ball going into the box and actually finding a person. That was, though, that first half, though, if I'm not mistaken, that felt like the longest first half to any game, like, ever. Like, by the time it it was 30 minutes, I felt like it should have at least been halftime. It was kind of an interesting first half because, like, it was sort of chippy in the opening minutes before the goal. Um, There was, like, I feel like the Revs had, like, a little bit more um, possession early on. Um, I think the Fire actually had a really good stretch, and I I was thinking, like, they could actually get the goal out of this. Um, And then, basically, out of nowhere, as far as I could tell, I mean, it was was a very quick, like, Chunk Holly just beat Jonathan Dean. Um, who did like a 360 spinorama move. And by the time that he did that, you know, Chunk Holly was gone. And then it ended up in the back of the net. So, yeah. like, you yeah, mentioned. like it, it felt like it was against the run of play. And 
but the first like minutes before that, like it was really kind of like back and forth, but like it, there wasn't really a lot of like beautiful game happening. Like if, if I'm being honest with it, it just seemed a little like, all right, like this is two teams that are kind of playing. And like, it felt like the sort of narrative going into it, which is that two teams that kind of are going through some difficult stretches in, in different ways, you know, the, the fire because of the goal is drought and the revs because of their coaching difficulties, like being on their third head coach in as many months. Um, and it was just Clint, Clint P.A., the, the acting head coach who had been the coach uh, for the Revolution 2, it, it, it was just his second game, um, you know, in like with any capacity of the first team whatsoever. So, like, it's not like he was an assistant coach that was promoted. It's like he was with the Rev 2s a couple of weeks before and now is in charge of that bench. So, you know, it, it felt like a couple of teams that were sort of like trying to figure things out mm-hmm. and not really having answers. And then that goal happened out of nowhere. Yeah, like you mentioned, Jonathan Dean did basically get spun um, against the run of play. It sort of... uh, Then he ran into the box. There was a bit of ping-pong action before it fell to his feet. Just uh, inside the box, a bit to the left. He just pelted it past. Um, There was little to any chance of Brady actually saving that, um, to be honest with just how much power that was put into that shot. So it was an absolute cannon. I mm-hmm. mean, just an absolute cannon. Yeah. Um, but like mentioned, the fire answered immediately. Carlos Turan ended up throwing a lot, not throwing because he can throw, but throwing in the sense of kicking it far up to the right, finding Jonathan Dean, who was on side when he was on the le- right side of the box. He zooted it in. And finally, there were three fire players that were in the box. Um, one was Kaya Kamara, the other one was Brian Gutierrez. The ball actually did find one of them. And Brian Gutierrez essentially used the momentum of him like just running full, like full speed, just lunged his left foot out. And that ball just with that momentum fell into the bottom left side of the net. And it was one to one, quickly tied. It- Quick result, and it's one of those. It's one of those things that feels like it, that, like that's what they tell you when you know you're like playing soccer. Like, just get into the box and get your foot in the right place. And like his reaction time, obviously, was like a level that like I certainly would never be able to have. Like he did have to move his foot a little bit to be able to get on that. Like it wasn't just the ball hit him and it managed to get in. Like he made that happen, but he was in the right place in the right time. And if he wasn't, it did look like there were other people that were. Yeah, like so. I mentioned, there were a few other people in the box. There was Kai Kamara, Jairo Torres was also in there, and of course, Brian Gutierrez. And two things happened that we, you know, when we talk about the fire of recent, we wouldn't think it would happen. One being there being players in the box. If this was like the fire that we've been used to seeing for the past few games, Jonathan Dean would have put in a through like a through ball into the box and no one would have been there. It would have been booted away immediately. And also the fact that the fire managed to immediately answer back is a very much a pleasant surprise. I feel like that's something that the fire of recent have not been able to do exactly just immediately give a response. Yeah, they weren't. I mean, because they did have the better momentum, like I said, it was kind of chippy, but I think they had the momentum and they just didn't let the goal phase them, which was really refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think that like the other thing that I really did like about that goal was I've complained about the fire relying on cl- crosses to 
generate all the offense. And I realized that's kind of what happened here with Dean just like gunning down the right side and then basically throwing across into the box. A couple differences here that I think are kind of important. One, it was just the speed with which all of this happened. Like a lot of the time it's the the fire, you know, work methodically from the midfield and then get the ball to someone on one of the sides and then it's across, but everyone is set by that point. This was a lot faster. And then the other thing is that this ball, the cross happened while there were players that were already in motion going into the box as opposed to it just being static and a bunch of guys that are standing around or going at low speed. Absolutely. Literally, a few minutes later in the 26th minute, we see another minute, we see another moment where Jonathan Dean fires a cross into from outside the right of the box. And like you mentioned, players are in motion. Guti's in motion. Fabi's in motion. Even Hyro's in motion. But of course, the player at this moment is Kai Kamara, who just like in a similar fashion of how the... Third Columbus crew goal was scored in our, the game against us. He immediately saw where the ball was going to go. He ran and he jumped. And if it wasn't for a really good save from the Revolution goalkeeper, it could have easily, it could have been it it could have been there. That first half was definitely a more refreshing half as well. You also had a uh, Dumbia chance in the twenty seventh minute where Guti passed it off to the right. He was open, he spun around, and it just oh, unfortunately hit the post or the goalkeeper's hand. It's, it was kind of hard to see, but either way, it was deflected out. For the fire, there were 11 shots, 5 on target. Um, for the revolution, there was 8, 2 on target. So there was definitely a lot um, going on in that first half. But it was concentrated in just a few of those minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, realistically, like... It's sort of funny, actually. Like, so I was in the press box, and uh, another reporter who I will not name that was next to me um, was like, Hey, nothing's going to happen, but can you watch my stuff? I'm going to run to the bathroom. And a minute later, the first goal happens. Um, then, you know, obviously a minute after that, the second goal happens, and then he's gone for a couple of minutes. And he comes back and he's like, So I heard the, the horn. Did I miss a goal? I'm like, You missed two goals, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> this game, this game, you know, because he, you know, like this game went alive as soon as you went to the bathroom. And it, but it really was like before that, it, it was not the same kind of game. And I think that by like the 35th minute or so, it had really kind of like settled back into what it was in the first minutes where there was some back and forth play, but not really phenomenal chances from either side. But there was that like good, you know, 15 minute chunk where the, you know, there were good in in chances. It was a lot of fun to watch. And frankly, the fire had the majority of the, the play and the possession during that. Uh huh. And like mentioned, there we saw a lot of you know counterattacking um you know counterattacking ball in the 38th minute you had Brian Gutierrez just running up the field with the through ball to Kai Kamara and then once Kai Kamara gets inside the box is where we once again see that sort of I'm pretty sure Frankie Klopas mentioned this in one of his previous um press conferences after a game that he's just fairly still disappointed about how a lot of this team is not able to take their shots correctly. And in that moment with Kai Kamara, once he gets inside the box, you have a wide open Fabian Herbers right outside. You have Guti right to the right. What does um, Kai Kamara decides to do? He decides to take a shot that ended up just blazing over the bar. So once again, this is... We're seeing 
those glimpses of you know those glimpses of really great soccer being played by the fire especially in terms of moving into the final third that's something that the fire have definitely been really good at doing but then it's just that final final touch yeah agreed so second half second half definitely was a bit more slowed down um the fire only had five shots as well as the revolution though the fire had two on target revs had one on target when it comes to the goal it happened almost immediately um in the 53rd minute we had um once again the fire doing what the fire can really do well which is move from the halfway point into the final third you had Jonathan Dean moving passing the ball up to Jairo Torres Jairo ended up finding um Kai though he was like way past the post on the right side he ends up sort of like backheeling it to Brian Gutierrez which at that moment um the middle of the box is completely wide open which from that moment Fabian Herbers and Gaston Jimenez move in Brian finds Gaston Gaston switches it to his left foot and with he has a powerful he has a powerful kick behind it finds the bottom left corner to make it 2-1 fire and I, I have to tell you, like Frank Lopez in the post game press conference was just like he's finally doing that, like implying that like this is something that he's been asking the midfielder to do for a while because he has that ability to go and take good shots and close, and he's got that cannon, and it just is something that we have not seen. I mean, we saw it a little bit. I want to say like in like 2020 and 2021, and then it basically just fell off the map. So it's refreshing to see that back. Hundred percent, um, but it. Like I said, and it was just refreshing once again just to see that the those moments, especially once they get into the final third and once the ball is actually moving from the wing into the middle, some semblance of you know the players, whether it's Kai, Hiro, Guti, having the ball and just for that split second looking up and seeing what their options are, because in that moment. People were in the right spaces at the right time. And, you know, that player was Gaston and that goal was finally scored. So, yeah, no, it was, it was great to see. And like, again, like it's something that the fire have needed to do for a while. And I think that it's, it's the kind of thing where like even Pep Guardiola has talked about how you really can't coach that like goals actually happening. You can coach stuff up until right before that, but then it just, that's kind of all in the players. And I think that that's been a difficulty for Frank Klopas is that he hasn't really known what it is he should be working with the team on because it just is literally that last thing that has not been happening and didn't happen in this game. So, and yeah, and have you know the fact that we're because it's it's you can see that it's working when the players can actually you know essentially in my opinion look up or just be in the right space at the right time because goals can be scored. Unfortunately, this has been a game of incredible back and forths because in the 53rd minute, Fire had their goal. A few minutes later, you had a long ball forward from the Revolution um, playing it from the left into the middle. Um, there was a bit of a whiff there um, from Wyatt. He wasn't able to block the shot coming in. Um, the pass was made to... Uh, Hill, who was right outside the box, and in pure 
just unfortunate circumstances. The shot uh, takes a deflection mm-hmm. off of Carlos Duran. Brady is kerfuffled and um, the ball falls back into the back of the net. So it that's it's just unfortunate what happened. You know, just bad luck with that well, deflection. I, I mean, the the deflection is bad luck, and like Wyatt Omsberg was just like kind of like a half step off of where I think he wishes that he was. And he just didn't get anything on it. You know, Dean was outplayed a little bit there, but when you look at what happened in the play before the goal, once the revs established possession, it's like around the midfield and you have Brian Gutierrez, Kai Kamara and Jairo Torres that are just sort of like there. And very clearly the team was set up to be in like the, like almost like textbook definition of a mid block at that point. Like they were, about five, six, seven, eight yards away from the opposing revs players. And they were not going on them. They were just giving them time and space to figure things out. And so like, that is an okay thing that some teams do. Like that's not necessarily the problem. The problem was that former fire player, Brent Bronico, who had nominally been in the back line had functionally been being a midfielder, especially once the revs had established possession. And at that point he was available basically in the middle of the pitch with no one on him because the fire hadn't reacted to that shift of the, of the revs going from having four in the back line when they're defending to three in the back line when they've got the ball. And that gave him nothing but time and space. And he gets the ball and has like literally all the time and space you could possibly ask for in a professional football game to do whatever he wants. And he sets up a pass that starts, you know, jump starts that attack that results in the goal. And like, that's what's sort of frustrating about it is like in a way, if the fire had been going for it, like if they had been pressing harder or even like pressing a little bit, like even like a nominal, like we're not really going to press too hard, but we're going to like run at you a little bit. There's a good chance that, that Bronico doesn't have the time to get the ball and doesn't have time to move up the pitch the way that he did to be in the position to receive the ball. Yeah. Hang on a sec. Were you just saying Bronico? Yeah. You mean bolster? Why the hell was I saying Brent Bonico? <laughs> wait, that just hit oh me God. as well. I was like, wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. Charlotte? Yeah, Matt Bolster. I don't know why I was saying Brent Bronico for so long. My goodness. Well, well I mean, right. they're think- formers, so. But You're thinking of the other boys. defensive midfielder that got moved right back for some reason. Yeah. I, that's, um, yeah. <laughs> we don't blame you. Um, yeah. And it's kind of funny because in the back of my head, my some part of me was like, the hair is wrong. Like, literally, that was my thought. Um. <laughs> But yeah, Brent Bronico, I think, still playing for Charlotte. Um, yeah. Matt yeah. Polster playing for the Revs. Yeah, um, he will be playing yeah, for that, Charlotte, but just yeah. not yet. So, so yeah. In any case, everything that I just said about Brent Bronico, I actually meant about Matt Polster, and hopefully <laughs> that does not happen when the Fire plays Charlotte, because if it does, it'll be very disappointing at that point in the season. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, so Matt Polster had been basically playing up uh, as a midfielder for whenever they established possession. And that, I think, really a number of times gave the fire difficulties. And we didn't really have an answer for that, which I think part of it is, I mean, I guess the net takeaway I get from it is this is why it's not great having an interim head coach or switching coaches in the middle of a season because the the players are not set up for the kind of players that Frank Klopas would want for his team. Like, there were no real signings that were made with him in mind. And 
as a result, you start getting kind of mismatches like this. And so he has a certain way that he wants to manage the game, and that's not really what the players were doing. And it's kind of like hard to like change the plane once it's already in the air. And that's sort of what's been asked of a lot of people. And I think that it's it's stuff like that, like not having the ability to recognize that the game's data change that really I think does affect things. No, one hundred percent. Like you mentioned, the plane's already in the air. Um, especially when you end up kicking the original pilot out, you know, did we give him a parachute or not? I don't know, but you know, there's another, the co-pilot's now in charge. It's not his plane, but you can't really make changes to that, to the configuration of his plane while you're in the air. So you just have to work with what you have until that plane finally gets to the, finally hits the tarmac, which is the end of the season. There was some unfortunate things that happened at the end. Um, I there's no highlights of it or not really much of a mention but right at the end in extra time there was a injury that happened to right before that I think it was like the 87th or 88th or like, minute yeah or like right beforehand yeah. an injury that happened to Brian Gutierrez there was a VAR check for some reason the goal was not the penalty was not given for some reason um I guess the ref was like he looked at the Columbus game and saw that Columbus got pens, and then he was like, "Chicago, maybe they, sh- maybe they should get a pen." Nah. So what happened was Gutierrez was taking the ball basically like into the box, and he goes down. Um, and from my perspective, it looked like he went down in the presence of a New England defender, and I couldn't see who it was at the time and then I was just thinking about what was happening afterwards they showed us the uh, an angle of the replay in the press box uh it was small I could not really see if there was contact um it, it looked like based on the way that Guti's leg moved that there was because it's like a frame and then a frame and it's like your leg doesn't change positions in that way if something isn't affecting your leg like it's not your movement it's something else but it didn't seem like there was an angle that was like a smoking gun kind of thing. Okay. And I think that was the issue. I mean, there wasn't, I mean, because there was an injury, they're not going to show the replay of it on the big screen. And for some reason, they still don't do the, they don't show what the ref is looking at. When they do VAR, they just show a big box that says, you know, checking for possible foul from the perspective. And of course, where we were in the supporter section, you know, it's kind of hard to see all the way up the other side of the pitch. So, you know, what we saw was also fairly limited. Well, at one point, though, it kind of looked like the ref uh, couldn't get the VAR thing to work. Like, it was, like, flashing. The screen was kind of black. From our perspective, it looked like it wasn't working. And at one point, we started we started chanting, turn it off and on again. So... it was a It was a very long VAR check, which, like, normally, you know, you think means that there's, like, some meat to it or there's something that is like you know like if if a if it's like a really quick check like that typically means either it was a very clear and obvious error like the rep didn't have a good angle on it or that they're satisfied that there was nothing there Mm -hmm. and the longer it goes on the more that you're like all right maybe this is like one of those judgment call things but it did seem like a prolonged check yeah um i mean i honestly think that it, it i do think that there was contact i'm not sure if the contact was in the box because it was happening right 
like literally like right at the like it's a frame 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 inside the box outside the box but i do believe there was contact and in the end nothing was called on it so it you know from the perspective of what we saw on the field the cards that were given the fouls that were given the free kick like that doesn't seem like the referee had any reason to act like there was contact just based on what we know and what we saw yeah yes um Apart from that, there was also a few scraps on the field. We saw a lot of pushing and shoving. This it did, even though there wasn't too much like action per se in terms of like actual shots and being taken on target and whatnot. There was a lot happening in between. Uh, whether there was a bit of pushing and shoving between Kai uh, or one of the other, pl- um, you know, between like Kai and the New England Revolution players. I know Gaston was a part of one thing, and that's pretty much why he got booked at in the 65th minute. So th- there was a few scrap few scrappings going between um the players as well on the pitch, so it was spicy. I mean, and which is good because like you you want in a way, like I I really want the players to care at this point, mm-hmm. right? Because the I I think that one of the things that some fire fans have said is that the concern is that some bad things happen sometime in the fall and then players just check out and like start making like reservations for like vacations in late October because like they just they're like you know what we're not going to make the playoffs that'll be that and I might as well be like golfing or on a beach or whatever um so it's good that we're not seeing that and and you know the other thing even though there weren't that many shots in the second half that is still the I mean the game had the second most shots the fire have had all season Mm -hmm. so which is good to see it's good to see um you know very good to see some form of turnaround um, happening. Of course, the question now being, you know, the goalless drought is ended, but the winless drought has not. Are we satisfied with the result? The fact that it was a 2-2 draw and that we only got one point out of it? Nope. You want to expand upon that? <laughs> I was about to ask exactly the same thing. <laughs> no, I feel like nope just says it. Basically, 2-2 okay. draw... Yeah, no, that the fire had to win this game. It was a must win. All of their home games are must wins. End of story. And the fact of the matter is they they drew that game. They're still in the playoff hunt. But with a win, you would have been a lot better. And right now you're just kind of sitting there looking at it like, oh, well, we we've seen this story before. You're depending on points on the road now to get you into the playoffs. And like, I I know that we'll be talking about that in a second, but yeah, I think also given the performance, the fire have to be kind of unsatisfied with the draw. I know, you know, like, like 18 shots or depending on 16, depending on the source, like seven shots on target. Like they, they really did have like possession goes back and forth in every game. But when the fire had possession, they had possession in a way that looked really good. Mm -hmm. And the revs, just seem like we're kind of chasing the game a lot. Again, it was this coach's second game ever in charge. So like this was an opportunity and it was, you know, one of just three home games the team had left and now they've just got two. So like basically if the fire want to have any chances, like they're going to need points somewhere else. And I think that's frustrating. And I think the other thing that kind of hurts is that, you know, having Guti go down, who is one of the team's most dynamic, effective players on offense, like the guy that like, finally slayed the longest goalless drought in team history, which is the now eighth longest in MLS history. The guy that ended it, you know, 
it, chances are we still don't know. We're waiting on the press conference as of when we're recording this, so we we haven't had a chance to ask how he's doing. And Frank Klopas didn't have an update after after the game, but you know you 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 have to assume that just with as long as he was on the ground and with the way that he went off, that like there's a really good chance that he won't be available on Saturday. So that's kind of really tough, especially when you're already tied and that's and the game ends in a draw. Yeah. Like what y'all what y'all said essentially, like this was the circumstances that the fire in that were entering the game in, you know, winless winless streak, goalless streak, all that stuff, and it's against a team that even though you know they sit a bit higher in the rankings, are also in a, we're in a state of you know of disarray when it comes to coaching and just the identity behind it. And the fact that the fire, for the most part, looked like they could absolutely do it, they just once again drew the short end of the stick. The stick this time in you know in defensive play when it comes to those two goals, it's like where they've improved on one end, they still haven't improved on the other. So you know goals are there, and the fire have shown several times that not only they can get the bo- that get the ball into the box and look dangerous on the counter or, you know, in that run, they can also have the right person at the right time, have the person actually, you know, look up, find their teammates, and take a proper shot into the in, into the back of the net. So It's one of those things where you need to do, like, all the things at one time, and I keep on going back, like... I have a friend that used to run like front of house stuff for like the high end restaurants. Um, and now he kind of like works as a consultant doing that. And he had a story he's told a couple of times where like he's gathering like all the front of house staff and they're just going over things. And he says, guys, like one note, like honestly, I'm not going to call this person out again because we already dealt with that. But just like you can't show up to work drunk, like just you can't. And one of the people like raises their hand and says, but you told us last week we couldn't show up to work high. Which is it? And it's just like, yeah, both. You know, like, and it's like one of those things where like the fire are like, we can't get all of the pieces together at the same time. We can get good defensive performances and we can score some good goals. We can generate offense, but like we can't string together 90 minutes of what you need to get the result that you want. Yeah. Just, just genuinely unfortunate it almost feels like it's sort of like a teacher you know like the teacher says one week yo when you're sitting in our spot crisscross applesauce we're not singing we're not spinning in our spot next week you tell them something else and it's just ugh, 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 ugh. or like the, look, do the parent thing and it's we're not mad we're just disappointed yeah we're not mad we're just disappointed um though you know, even with us waiting for Guti and um, what's going on with him, he did make the bench for MLS's um, team of the match day. So, you know, kudos to him for that. Y'all mentioned, even though the Fire have looked better, they've made this a bit difficult on themselves, needing to get more points than one on the road. And on the road, in the miserable state of New Jersey, uh, this upcoming Saturday at 630 uh, both teams are um, even in the standings. They're both fighting for final place in the playoffs. In their last game, uh, they downed DC five to three uh, with goals from Moso, Harper, Nialis, and Tolkien. Uh, they have a winning form of two L's, 
two draws, and a win in their last five. And in our last meeting, it ended one-to-one where the Fire, in Fire fashion, conceded a tying goal in the 89th minute. Does anyone remember that ga- like that game? John Tolkien, who, you know, again, scored uh, last Saturday against DC, and he assisted on the goal, but the entire match, he had this ridiculous bleach blonde hair, which at that point, by the way, so did Miggy. So, like, Miguel Navarro and John Tolkien were, like, brothers in the, like, blonde hair bleaching department. Um, Brother and frosted tips. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, but that's the thing. With, with Tolkien, it wasn't frosted tips. It was, like, long, flowing, like, the probably the longest mane of hair that I've seen a professional soccer player ever actually rock. Like, I mean, he could have permed it and looked like Valderrama, like, hmm. or like Sideshow Bob, but like he didn't. It was just long and it was, but like, I think that that has to be why. I mean, the, but there was some reason why, and I'm assuming that was it, that pretty much everyone at Soldier Field decided to boot the guy every time he got anywhere near the ball. Yeah. I don't know how it started. I'm pretty sure there there was some form of reason. I can't remember for some reason, but there um, we were booing him. Yeah, for, for and, a while. But then he got the last laugh because he assisted on the goal that ended up tying the game when it looked like it was the Fires to win. And yeah. I think that that was one of those matches. Like this was in late April, so this is one of those things that like led to Ezra Hendrickson being dismissed from yeah. his position, uh, which is sort of like you know, I mean we can talk about our feelings about that at some other point, but like it, you know, clearly it's like stuff like that, that like just was very frustrating about the team early in the year and mm-hmm. he's going to be back. So we'll just see how that goes. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. And of course, in that game, we won't have, um, we won't have Chris Mueller who was in the game as well. Um, Shaq should be back. I'm pretty sure now that he has served his red card suspension, um, Suke and should Suke. be back yep. should, but, after his yellow card accumulation. But we won't have um, Brian Gutierrez, who was in the game as well. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it, and we're going to Red Bull Arena where the team has been a lot, like the Red Bulls have been a lot better than they have been on the road. Um, you know, and sure, they like, they have only won one match in their last five. Um, I don't know if you, either of you caught any of that match. It was kind of crazy to watch. Because, um, like, there was, like, literally, like, hurricane, almost hurricane conditions in D.C. And I was thinking hurricane, D.C., you know, like, bad weather. The Red Bulls aren't fun to watch. D.C. hasn't really been fun to watch for long stretches. I would not have put, like... If if you had said there's going to be eight goals, and I just wouldn't have believed you. I'm mean, like, no, there's like there's no chance. And yet somehow it was a five to three game for the Red Bulls. Like it's crazy. Yeah, I mean sometimes I guess they just surprise you sometimes. Um, so yeah, thoughts of course on the game being must win. This is a must win, no matter what. The Fire have put themselves unfortunately in the position where. They have to, have to, have to, have to win um, away from home at a place that is fairly difficult to play at. Yeah, it'll be a hostile environment. It's, you know, not, you know, the Fire have not had a fantastic record on the road. They had a couple of, you know, wins during that stretch when they were just winning everything. Um, 
And the Red Bulls are the team immediately ahead of them in the standings, which like doesn't really matter for that much because you don't care about who's in 11th place. You care about who's in 8th and ninth because those are spots that get you into the postseason. But it does to the extent that like if the Fire want to make it to the, po- to the playoffs one way or another, you're really hoping that the teams above you drop some points. Yeah. And you're counting on them to drop points. And one of the ways you can make one of those teams drop points is by literally forcing them in the game you're playing against them. And this is the one of only two games the fire have left against a team that is ahead of them in the playoff race. So like there's mm-hmm. just a lot of pressure there. And I mean, on top of that, like when you look at like the number one tiebreaker, um, in MLS is wins. And right now the teams are tied in that department. So even if the Red Bulls drop points elsewhere and the fire match to make them up, like you just, you win that game, you have that tiebreaker against a team where it could end up mattering. Exactly. So, um, any other words of, um, thought or possibly even predictions we want to add for our men in red going over to New Jersey playing at, the Red Bull Arena. I predict Chris Christie is going to eat the soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh dear! Oh dear! So, I it's got to be a little insulting having multiple sports teams play in your state, none of which feature your state's name or like oh. the name of where like they are on the state. Yeah, what's the um, what's the NWSL team? That like that like has like a split name. Gotham. Like, yeah, Gotham. Aren't Gotham. they like New York, New Jersey Gotham? They are. Like that's the one exception to that rule. Well, um, and the Jersey Devils. That's true. Oh yeah, the New Jersey Devils. The NHL team. So, but like I neither the that. neither the NFL teams do it. Like the like the the Red Bulls dropped it. They had it, and then they they dropped it when they no longer you know were the Metro Stars. So yeah. I mean, one of my favorite bits from uh, Bleacher Report, Gridiron Heights, was the New York team, uh, team singing, I want to be a part of it. East Rutherford, New Jersey. So, yeah. That's pretty solid. Pretty solid. All right. Um, Although we're talking about Harrison, not East Rutherford. So they're entirely different towns. From one town to the next in New Jersey. So Completely different stops on the path train. Oh, yeah. So... Um, any final thoughts slash predictions on what to expect in New Jersey? You know, I think DJ was dancing around this a little bit, but like we, like there are literally three or four different fire teams and they don't seem to really have a lot of relationship to each other. Like one of them is the team that we saw like in June and July that like couldn't lose anything, found ways to win. One of them is the team that we saw on like last Saturday playing against the revolution where it was frustrating, but they had dynamicism to them. They had an ability to like try to get things done. And I mean, that was a very winnable game. Like the result didn't come out, but like, I think if that game was replayed five times with that level of energy. I think that the fire probably win three of them, um, draw one and then maybe lose one because sometimes you're that unlucky. And then there's the fire team that just like that just can't be there that are just like traffic cones on the pitch that are just hapless that it, it feels like aren't really fully present. And I think like, that it's really 
Oh, I was going to say, it feels like, and it feels like watching the Bears play against um, Kansas City last Sunday. Exactly. Where you're like, I mean, you're theoretically in the game and like the technical sense of the words that you're playing a game, but like you're never really in the game. And like we've seen that from the fire a couple of times this year where it, it didn't feel like they had shown up to play the game to win. Like there, there was just, you could tell from the, the first kick almost. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's difficult to figure out which team you're going to see on a given match day. And I think that that's the difficulty that a lot of us are like kind of struggling with is like, are we going to see the team that like came out and motivated against Portland and had a good result and like managed to hold on for a win? Or are we going to see the team against, you know, that we saw against Nashville where they like went down three, like, and just like decided, oh, who cares about this game? Yeah. You know? Um, or the team that we saw against Columbus where they decided to just do stupid things and stupid things happened as a result. Um, maybe some other stuff should have been called, but like whatever, like, you know, and so it's like maybe a little bit one-sided and that's a different discussion. But, you know, I think it's difficult to to s- make predictions when it feels like you've almost got like three alternate universe versions of the same people. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know, potentially going to be there. So difficult to pinpoint which fire is going to show up, which is why it's kind of hard to make predictions because which fire is going to show up. So, yeah. Are we ready to? Well, are, I mean, do you want to like, do you want to make a prediction anyways? Just I guess. low key don't Roll die. I low right. key don't because like you mentioned, I've, I feel like every time I expected a certain fire to come out, that is the one that did not show up. Whether it was the fire that played to a draw, a fire that played to an embarrassing loss, a fire that somehow got the win. I feel like none ever showed up when I made the prediction. So I'm I'm just going to let fate roll the dice for, for this one, for this Saturday. All right, let's do an alternate universe thing for a quick second then. Okay. The fire team you want to show up shows up. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. And say that that's a fire win. So in that W, who scores for the fire? Okay, in the alternate universe, in that alternate your, universe, your preferred universe, the universe you want to be universe? living in. Yeah. Um. Well, first of all, I would love Kutsias to get the goal in, and I would love to see another Gaston just from outside the box. I feel like those are the two goals that I would love to see right now. The third kind that I would just, I feel like everyone just needs to see, but I feel like this is just a, a thing that won't happen in any universe. It's just Hyro Torres doing something. So, Hyro Torres, all right, sweet. So, that's, that's my in an alternate universe prediction. <laughs> Thank DJ, you for that, Tim. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict a 3 2 game. It's going to end 3 to 2. All right. Whichever way he's going to get the three. No, I don't not. know. It's going to be one or the other. It's going to end three to two. All right. So same question though. So like, like the universe, like the multiverse bifurcates from, or like multiver multifurcates, however you say that it divides from here on out. And so your preferred branch of the universe, what is happening in that match? Am I a preferred branch of the universe? Yeah. I mean, again, going forward from here, we're not going to like bring the Roman empire into the 21st century because I know DJ, that's where your head wants to go with this. <laughs> and I'm just going to shut that down right now. All the right, Byzantine so, empire or like, I don't know, like Gilgamesh right, is still so alive. Hirohito comes onto the field. 
What have you done? But no, I'm good. I know, I know. So that's what I'm saying. From this moment, we start where we are in our universe today as we're recording. But Saturday, <laughs> what is your preferred version of the universe that happens? What happens prefer- in that match? What I want to happen, I'm still going to say it. Chris Brady scores from all the way over and just gets a goalkeeper goal. Because that would be awesome. But I also nice. really, really, really want to see Kamara score. Just so it can stop. Just so it can stop. And the third thing is, I really want to see Dean score. Nice. Back call, those, are the, yeah. those are the three that I want to score. Everybody else, I don't care. All right. Well, Marin as well, but Marin. <laughs> I was gonna say that's kind of like harsh for like a lot of people on the team, but all right. I don't care about anybody else except for pizza. We were talking about pizza in our meeting, to, our staff meeting today after school. So there's never a bad time for pizza, is there? No, there really isn't. I didn't think that we resigned pizza, but we should look into that. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that. Almost pretty much wraps it up um, for this episode of the Men of Red 97. Um, of course, if you haven't already, um, you, you're listening this far. Like, why haven't you already? Hit the follow button on wherever you get your podcast from, as well as check out the website, meninred97.com, where you can get your favorite uh, writers and their favorite stories. Um, read the new articles, such as Something for Nothing uh, by Tim writing about what happened after the New England Revolution game, if you want to read even more on to that. You know, why Yeah, not? we recap every match. We preview every match. We have Jiggly's column on Tuesdays. We rate every match. We rate players for most matches. Um, we do this all just for you. Yeah, and the podcasts are also there if you want to listen to more podcasts like this or hot takes as well. That are We're also on Instagram, so check us out on Instagram. We're Instagram. on multiple platforms. Yeah, Instagram. X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, Facebook, even. Um, so yeah, and actually, if you're if you're on the the web those those websites, especially Twitter, um, you might if you go to the Fires page, you actually might find a uh, retweet or a repost of a post of mine that showed and highlighted a moment that I will hold forever close to my heart which was when a bunch of kids came over at halftime over to where we were at Barn Burners in section 124. And, you know, they, they were asking, Hey, can we like try playing on the drums and like winning the flags? And at that moment, uh, teacher Allen stepped in and there's, you'll find some pretty, you know, pretty heartwarming and endearing clips of he, He's being modest along. about it. Yeah. So Allen was teaching some kids how to play the drums at a, at, at halftime at a fire game, and it was absolutely beautiful. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just say this is a preview for what ends up happening to fire games in like the next 15 years, where Alan takes the experience that he has as a music teacher, plus a country that for men and red reasons, I will get into at some point, I can't actually name, but a country in Europe with a strong musical history that is not Germany or Poland. Um, and he ends up teaching a lot of people how to play various musical instruments. And the Chicago Fire become the first soccer team in the history of the game to have a full orchestra in the supporters section. The Chicago Fire Symphonic Orchestra. CFSO. Yeah, you wouldn't 
<laughs> like, look, you wouldn't think a viola would be that useful in a supporter section, but you'd be surprised what actually happens. Like, imagine a college football marching band, like in the stands, but an orchestra. <laughs> yeah, no, like, because like, there's it. no, like, no one's playing a viola, and there's no viola solos in a college marching band, but there could be in the. Allen-led fire supporter section just orchestra. giving me ideas to bring my violin to the next game or something like that. I call dibs on the... On <laughs> I mean, drums. I would not bring a violin you wanted to get back in good condition necessarily, right. because I know there's the net there, but, like, you know, like, stuff happens, man. Yeah, no. Speaking of the net, there was a few... I don't know what revolution player it was, because usually they're the one... The opposition's the one that trains on the side of the field where the supporter section are. They took, like, two shots that missed the net and almost hit two people like two consecutive times they almost hit people in sections 122 and uh three and four and i i remember we were just like looking at him and the, the guy he didn't even apologize or anything he just walked away like staring and i just i gave him the italian uh give him the italian hands so yeah i mean i feel like there's maybe some history there that we don't know about somehow maybe you know hey maybe <laughs> there's something between that player and whoever's in the, the that section so who knows? So, once again, thank you for listening to the Men in Red 97 podcast. Uh, check out more episodes wherever you get your podcasts, as well as meninred97.com, where you can get more articles, more podcasts, more Men in Red 97. And do you all have any final words of wisdom to leave with our audience? I'm just going to say, come on, you Men in Red. Let's go. All right, as always, come on, you men in red. Vamos fire. Vamos. Whoa.